0: The Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And while they head out, church, I'd love us to stand to our feet. And uh, it's my privilege to welcome tonight's speaker. He'll introduce himself and what he does, but uh, I- I'd love us to give a huge icon welcome to Joe as he comes to bring the word. Come up! guys in the background, like this musical kind of interlude in the background, it's just it's fantastic. It's so good to be with you tonight. Um, thank you so much for receiving me. Um, I've been chatting with your amazing senior pastor, Paul Bender, for a while about coming along and spending some time with you. So it's absolutely awesome to be able to be here with you tonight. Um, first of all, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Joe Gisby. I am married to one wife. One wife is enough. Uh, she is. An absolutely amazing Colombian hot mama. Um, and she sends her love and her greetings. We have four incredible kids. My oldest, Luca, is 13. Then my daughter, Eliana, who's actually up here with me. Um, she was with me this morning at a church in Southwell, Riverside Church. We had an awesome time this morning. She sends her love as well, but she was just spent. She was like, Dad, I do not need to hear you speak again today. I've already heard you speak twice. That was enough. Um, so, And then we have um, Zion is eight, and then Seth, our youngest, is five. So 13 is our oldest, down to our youngest, five. So I have literally not slept in 13 years. So if I'm a little bit wired tonight, it's because of that, and it's because I'm feeling Holy Spirit caffeinated tonight. I'm feeling the presence of God, and I believe that He's going to move. I believe He's got some things to say. So I'm prepared. How about you? Are you ready to hear some stuff from God? It's going to be an awesome time. So... I help lead a church on the south coast called Aaron Church. I don't know if some of you may have heard of Aaron Church, a church in a place called Littlehampton. We are responsible for a little event down there called the Big Church Day Out. Um, and also many years ago, our little youth band, who were playing when I was 13 years old, decided that they were going to like take their music to around the world. And um, and the rest is history. Delirious was formed, and they took music day to the ends of the earth. So I grew up in that atmosphere and I'd love to tell you a little bit more about that in a while. I get the incredible privilege of being the assistant associate leader of that church and they send their love and their greetings to you. We're praying for you guys and believing that God's got amazing things for you and I also have the privilege of leading an organisation called Links International. Have any of you heard of Links International? Anybody? Awesome. So we are, we're all about confronting poverty, creating potential. We work into 60 different nations around the world. Please do feel free to take a seat. Um, <clears throat> we work into 60 different nations around the world. We really see ourselves as like a circuit board of relationships, connecting people who are passionate about changing the world. We, we, we realise that we can't do it in our strength. And so, our message right from the very early days, back in the late 90s when we began, was not please come and help us change the world. Our message was always how can we help you? to change the world. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have bought in to the mission and the movement of Jesus, you do not want to just give a check to a charity. You want to be part of the solution. And I believe that as the church of Jesus Christ, that we are being called like never before. In our generation, we are being called to be a people who will roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and actually get out there and make a difference. The world does not need a whole load more charity the world needs the church to be the church amen we are the hope of the world we do not exist just to come in and and to and and to like love the worship sit through the word that's great but how many of you know we're called to make a difference Monday through to Saturday we're called to make a difference out there in the world and so we believe in partnership we believe in connecting people up and together changing the world I just want to show you a, a, a short video okay So as that video suggests like we 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 work into all kinds of different ways around the world so I'll just try to tell you a little story um just real quick so when I got married to my wife my wife 's Colombian, so we had communication issues straight away so at that point in my life I could I could pretty much get by in spanish so we we were able to communicate with each other but English was not her first language and Spanish was not my first language. And how many of you know that the basis of any good relationship, right, is communication, yeah? So anybody in this place ever read like the, the, the classic Christian book? This is like pre-marriage counselling standard, fair reading that you have to read, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Anybody? Anybody in the house read that book? Okay, awesome. So the basic premise is that there are five languages that we connect with each other on. And those are, let me see if I can remember these. So there is, uh, there's, there's quality time, acts of service, um, words of affirmation, um, physical touch, and gifts. I heard an amen when I said physical touch, right? I mean, like so, so, our, so, so our, our, our female sisters, right, they, they seem to be a little bit more bilingual in their, in their love languages. They seem to have a few more different languages under their belt. Guys, basically, our love language, we have three. We have three love languages. If you want to understand men, it's really simple. Three love languages. Physical touch. Words of affirmation. Say nice stuff about us and touch us again. That's the third one, right? Okay, so those are our love languages. But for Carolina, bless her. I did say that into the microphone. It's all right. You know, this is icon church. Many of you are just like, you know, barely saved. You've only just come in. So it's all good. It's all fine. Okay, so um, for Carolina, she grew up with a mum who served in all kinds of amazing ways. So acts of service are really important to Carolina. But I didn't get this. I didn't understand this. I mean, I was Twenty, She was 19 when we got married. We were super young. I would not advise this to anybody, but we were really, really young. We were in love. I'd met her and I knew I wasn't going to meet anybody as amazing as Carolina. So that was it. So we got married really young and... Um, we're poor missionaries. We've both been working for Youth with the Mission in Colombia, and people gave us all kinds of uh, gifts. They gave us a, a sofa for our living room. They gave us chairs and tables. And 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 this sofa, right? I'm sure that the people that gave us the sofa, they thought that they were blessing us. They thought that this sofa was going to be a real blessing. But with springs sticking out out of the sofa in every direction, that blessing very quickly turned into a curse, right? And so. Carolina, she begins to say to me, Joe, are you going to do anything about this sofa? So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do something about the sofa. Of course I will, I'll I'll sort it out. We lived on a third story apartment with a winding staircase. So I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to get this sofa out of the house? So I do what, you know, like what most guys do and I stuck my head in the sand and I hoped that the problem would go away, right? But of course it didn't go away. And I remember arriving back from, I've been out to breakfast with some friends and with my, with my brother and my dad. And I arrive in and husbands, you know, you know what I'm talking about when I say, you know, you go in and the atmosphere is frosty, Right? Okay you know what I'm ta- you know what I'm talking about right <laughs> so you know like and and so caroline i say are you okay honey and she says to me i'm fine now, I did not realise as a newlywed that I'm fine. I just thought that means I'm fine. She's fine. I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, honey, you are fine. <laughs> but but that wasn't what she meant. And she was not impressed when I responded in that way. Okay, so she's like, I'm fine. And uh, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, um, what's for dinner? And then it all comes out, right? I mean, seriously, it all comes out and all of this pent-up Colombian rage comes out and uh, and th- plates are flying. No, that didn't happen. Okay, I'm... Um, um, And she begins to say, are you ever going to do anything about this sofa? Are you ever going to do anything about this sofa? So I'm like, yes, yes, all right. I'll do something about the sofa. About a month goes by and uh, I arrive home from work and I walk into our living room and I find that Carolina, while I have been at work, she's now at work, so she's not there. And I walk in and I find that our sofa has been hacked into three pieces. There is an axe laying on the floor next to said sofa with a post-it note on top. In Spanish, it says, Now you have no excuse. Right, And so the reason I tell that silly little story is to say that so often when we come to the issues around the world, when we come to the needs and the, the problems that, are, that our world is facing in the area of poverty, we tend to come at the problem from two different angles. We either run at it in a way that is completely inappropriate and end up causing more harm than we do help, or we end up putting our heads in the sand and hoping that the problems will just disappear. See, poverty is not the absence of material wealth. Poverty is the absence of shalom. The ancient rabbis talk about poverty being the absence of wholeness. Shalom is this mystical concept where there's nothing missing, nothing broken, everything working together. It's what we see existed in the beginning in the garden, where man had perfect relationship with God, with himself, with, with one another, and with the earth. When that broke, when we turned our back on God, we essentially allowed spiritual poverty to come in because now I've got to run and hide from God because I'm ashamed and I'm full of fear and I'm full of uh, I'm, I'm full of doubt we allowed sociological poverty to come in because now God it was the woman you gave me it was her fault right so you know Adam blames his wife and men have been doing it ever since right and so sociological poverty came in and then psychological poverty came in because for the first time they're filled with fear and they're filled with regret and with guilt and they run and they hide and the Bible says they make underwear out of fig leaves. I mean, chafing, right? (laughs) Seriously, the no fig leaf section in the lingerie section of Marks and Spencer's. I've checked it out, right? So, and whenever we try to hide from God, whenever we try to cover up our mistakes and stuff, it is going to leave us more uncomfortable and more frustrated. But that was the moment when all of our psychological poverty came in. But ultimately, God said to Adam, because of what you have done, Adam, the ground will no longer produce. It belonged to you. I gave you stewardship and you handed it over to the enemy. So now it's going to be by the sweat of your brow and by toil. If you are going to get anything, Adam, it is going to be hard work. And that's where all our ecological and all of our economic poverty came crashing in. Now you're thinking, Joe, this is a little bit depressing. I mean, like you're all glad you came to church today, right? But the reality is, is that the fall touched every last speck of the cosmos. That poem that we see in Genesis, it reveals to us where everything began to break down. But the good news is, is that Jesus came. The good news is that when Jesus came, and the good news of Jesus is is that in as much as the fall touched every last, speck of the cosmos I want to tell you today Icon Church that because of what Jesus has done it says in Colossians 1 it says in Colossians 1 19 and 20 it says that in him all of the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form is dwelling and through him God is reconciling say reconciling all things back to its original design isn't that great Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost they didn't just come to seek and save the lost it was everything that was lost in the beginning Jesus is coming and putting it all back together again and he's starting with you and he's starting with me isn't that awesome So in Lynx, we work into these five areas of spirit, health, business, education and justice. We believe that you can't just give a man a fish, feed him for the day. You can't just teach him to fish and feed him for life. Sometimes you have to provide the resources to fish. Sometimes you have to make sure that that that, that dude is well enough to fish. And sometimes you really need to go and break down some of the walls that the corrupt systems that have allowed poverty to be there in the first place, that have constructed around the lake. Sometimes you need to go in and you need to say enough we are going to confront that and see that brought down so that's what we do, we can't do it alone, we love working in partnership with churches, businesses, I have my great friend Eric Hoving down here on the front, he's going to get embarrassed, i am even pointing about out, Eric Hoving um, and his organisation and his business bunches have been one of our incredible corporate partners over the years and I just want to say to you tonight, we need you, we need the church to become the church and to step up and to make a difference in the world, we are the only generation to reach this generation and there's a lot of work to be done, okay, so we would just want to say some of you you might you might be able to come on a team somewhere some of you you might be able to pray and I would say thank you so much please pray for us we need you to pray for us some of you might feel like you can give and I would love for you to have that opportunity some of you might have a project in mind an idea that you want to do links would love to come alongside you and say how can we serve you how can we help you to roll that out in the nation so that's what we do um also shameless plug this is my book Uh, this has a little bit of uh, my story in it which I'm going to share a bit with you tonight and also this this is really a radical call to discipleship by understanding what that meant in the world of Jesus so I've got these books outside please come and have a chat with us if any of that stuff would interest you but who would like this one this one is going for free who would be the first you were definitely the first that was awesome here you go God bless you that's amazing okay who's ready for the word of the Lord you ready, ready, ready. Okay, let's go for it. So um, if you've got your Bibles, if you could open them up to, if you have like an old school Bible, I'm going old school today because uh, my kids have broken my iPad. <laughs> so um, if you've got your Bibles, if you could open them up to, where is it, where is it, where is it? Somebody's stolen it from my. Luke chapter five, and I'm going to start in verse one. Give me an amen when you've got there. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. You got it? Okay, here we go. Verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats. Say, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets he got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore now this is Simon this is the dude who's going to be called Peter you know him better as Peter but at this point in his life before he's met Jesus he's still known as Simon because how many of you know when Jesus comes into your life he can do such a work of transformation that people will have to recognise that something has changed so much within you that they can know longer identify you as a person who you once were. So he went from being flaky, messed up Simon to being Peter, the rock that God was going to use in a powerful way, right? So this is Simon, okay? And yeah, yeah. I love, when you read these stories about the disciples, I love the fact that Jesus chose these incredibly dysfunctional people, right? He chose, he didn't look for people who had great ability. And I want to say to you today, this is a word for some of you today, God is not looking for your ability. He is looking for your availability. He is looking for your willingness to say yes when he calls. And so here's Simon, many scholars believe that he was probably around the age of 19 at this point. Anybody in here 19? I'm not holding my hand up because I'm 19. I couldn't get away with that. None of you are going to believe me, right? Okay, so he's probably around the age of 19, most scholars believe. And he's probably the oldest out of the group that will be known as the disciples of Jesus. But this is the very first time that we see that he meets with him. And so Simon, the Bible says, he got into the boat belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, say deep water, water. and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered with an attitude, right? He's like, Master, we have worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. How many of you know that God can bless your obedience even when you don't feel like doing it? You know what? You know, I don't have to feel like going to the gym to get the benefit of the workout. I don't have to feel like eating my greens for those vitamins and minerals to do me good. You know, you don't even have to feel like coming to the church to be blessed today. How many of you, and, and, and Nathan, you look forward because otherwise they're not going to respond. How many of you didn't feel like coming to church tonight? I mean, it was pouring with rain. It was cold. It wasn't nice. Did any of you not feel like coming to church tonight? Okay, I'm going to talk to the honest. You you carry on polishing your halos over here. I'm going to speak to the honest people in the place. How many of you did not feel like coming? You are probably going to be the people that will get the biggest blessing tonight because there is something called the sacrifice of praise where God steps into those moments and does something amazing in our hearts when it's the last thing that we want to do, right? We don't have to feel the, the, the desire to do something to get the benefit from it. It goes on. And it said, and and aren't you glad that he said, but because you say so, because Jesus, you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. What I want to talk a little bit about tonight is the subject of going into deep water. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that it has within it the inherent power to separate and divide soul and spirit and joint and marrow and search out the thoughts and the intent of our hearts. God, you confirm your word with signs and with wonders following. So I say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what you want to do this evening, Lord God. Would you put me on like a glove and speak what you want to speak, Lord God? And silence me so that you can speak, Lord. The last thing that we want to do is go out of this place just with some more information. Lord, we want to go out of this place with revelation. Because revelation transforms us from the inside out. So I say, God, would you speak tonight? Word of God, would you speak in Jesus' name? And all God's people said, Amen. "Amen." Say to the person next to you, "You're you're on the edge of a miracle. Say to the person on your other side, your second choice neighbour. Say, but there is a catch. There is a catch. I love this story in the scriptures. I feel like this amazing things around this that the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. First of all, I want us to look at the conditions in this story. Okay, so the conditions of this story is is that Jesus' ministry is growing. There are people gathering around Him. So much so that people who need to get before Jesus aren't able to get before Jesus. I don't know if you've ever felt like there's so much stuff around Jesus. You know, I I just want to get to you Jesus, but it feels like there's just so much junk in the way. There's so much stuff that, that stops me from really being able to Get to you. And here we have the Word of God wrapped in flesh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And He has a need in this moment. He needs to get the Word out that He is to the people that have come to listen to Him. And so the people are frustrated. And I'm sure there were many people that wanted to go home. But how many of you know, so often God uses discouragement and frustration to see how hungry we really are for him. There was another moment that four guys brought one of their friends on a stretcher before Jesus. And they arrive at the place where Jesus gathered. And again, there's so many people around that they're not able to get before him. And so they could have thought, well, it must not be God's will. How many of you ever feel like that? You know, like you feel like you want to get to Jesus, but it feels like there's stuff in the way. And you just think, well, it must not be God's will to touch me today. It must not be God's will to do something. Aren't you glad that those guys didn't take that as their attitude? And in that moment, they did not let their discouragement stop them in their tracks. They used that discouragement to take them to a whole other level. And they went to a whole other level geographically. They went to a whole other level in their physicality and they broke down the barriers that stood in the way of their encounter with Jesus. Sometimes we have to say, I refuse to let that stop me. I am going to reach out. I'm going to grab a hell of the hem of your garment no matter what happens because I know that that is the only place that healing is going to come from. Amen. Amen. And so there they are. And so there's frustration in the air. And here we have Simon, Peter, James and John, Andrew. They've been out all night fishing and they have caught nothing. Have you ever been in that place where you feel like you fished all night and you caught nothing? You've given it your best shot. You've tried with all of your might to do something and and it's just not worked out. And I'm sure that in that moment they were tired. The last thing that they wanted to do was to launch out into the water again. In fact, the Bible says very clearly to me that their boats were dry docked on the shore. That means that they had cleaned their nets. They had sorted everything out. They're probably thinking, let's go have some breakfast and then let's go to sleep. And along comes this radical rabbi. This radical rabbi with a crowd shows up and says to them, can you give me a push? Can I borrow your boat? Right, And I'm sure that it was the very last thing that Peter wanted to do in that moment. It was the most inconvenient thing in that moment. And the very conditions around the situation, even geographically, there's nothing that's wasted in the Bible. Okay, I'm part Jewish and I love looking at the layers behind the layers, just like um, like the guys were talking about earlier. There's so many layers behind Scripture. And the Bible's really clear about the fact that this takes place around the Lake Gennesaret. Okay? There's an image of the Lake Gennesaret that's going to come up here, also known as the Sea of Galilee. Okay, anybody here been to Israel, had the opportunity to go to Israel? Okay, sea is a little bit of a misnomer for what is actually really, it's a lake, right? It's a lake. I mean, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I've been to Galilee. It's absolutely beautiful. But sea is not really a good word for it because you can easily see from one side to the other. It's not that difficult to get from one side to the other of the Sea of Galilee. But whilst it isn't significant as a huge body of water, there is another reason why the Sea of Galilee is very significant. And that's because this is the lowest point, the lowest freshwater lake on planet earth. Cousin to the Dead Sea, just down the road, which is the lowest point on planet Earth. Now, why do I share that with you? Could it be that God, in His divine wisdom, is choosing this place to tell us something about the fact that our God chooses the lowest places within our lives, the most difficult, disappointing, discouraging moments in our life to show up and do His greatest work, right? So... It's something like 18 of the miracles that we read about recorded in the life and ministry of Jesus all happen in the vicinity of Galilee. And I want to say to you so often, it's going to be in those moments. It's going to be in those moments in your life where you feel like you've fished all night and caught nothing. It's going to be in those moments that God's going to show up in ways that you have never dreamed of. And I think He does this because He doesn't want us to have any, um, any misunderstanding about who it is that is really doing the work. You know, my wife and I were in 2009. We felt God call us to Colombia to start a church, and we started a church called Mosaic. We were desperate for it to be something that was authentic and real, that reached out, that wasn't just an event, but it was a community that would impact the, the the city of Bogota. And we did work into the red light district and into the street children um, areas of Bogota. And I won't I won't lie to you. I wasn't under any illusion that it was going to be easy. But I had no idea how difficult it was going to end up being. And there were times where we wanted to throw in the towel. There were so many times where we felt like we had fished all night and caught nothing. And I remember arriving at one point and Carolina and I, we were both, we, we were completely spent. We had tried everything. We had prayed and cried out to God. We had dealt with skeletons in our cupboard. We had to deal with uh, being called a sect in Colombia and all kinds of different things that were going on. And I was ready. I'll be honest with you. I was ready to give up. I was ready to just say enough is enough. And then it was like something Broke. Something switched and we began to see the tangible presence of God fill our meetings like a cloud. And God would move in amazing ways. There was one day we prayed for a lady called Yvonne. She had tumours all on her neck and we literally saw the tumours disappear in front of our eyes because our God is the God who heals. Our God is the God who steps in in those moments of our lives. And I want you to know, God will meet you in the middle of those moments. I want to encourage you tonight, if you feel like you are in a moment right now where you feel like, I do not want to carry on doing this. I feel, I'm feel i tired. I'm disappointed. I want to tell you, that's so often the moment where God meets with us. I grew up in an amazing atmosphere of faith. Delirious and cutting edge and all of that stuff that was coming out of our church. Amazing privilege. Saw my mum healed of terminal breast cancer as a kid. I had an incredible relationship with God as as a really young kid. But then in my teens, our church went through a really ugly split. And when that happened, at the same time as that happening, two members of my family died in a very sudden and traumatic way. I began to experiment with drugs and with drinking way too much. One of my best friends, his parents were dealers in the area where I grew up in. And so we could get anything. We could get absolutely anything that we wanted. I was I was an overweight kid when I was younger and I wanted to lose weight. And so I began to obsessively diet and obsessively go to the gym. And at first it was great. People were like, oh, this is amazing, Joe. You've lost weight. You're doing well. But very quickly it became really unhealthy. And uh, I began to... I basically became anorexic, and I went for long, long periods of time of not eating anything, just getting by by getting off of my head on alcohol and by by smoking way too much dope and popping too many pills. That was the only way I felt like I could get through things, and um, it went on for three years, and it was a living hell. I I got down to I got down to four stone, seven pounds. I was skin and bones; you could count my rib cage everybody thought I was going to die and I remember like looking for I remember looking for answers in all of the wrong places and I and I tried to look for those answers in uh, in in relationships and in looking into eastern meditation and all kinds of different things and nothing worked and then one day I walked into my bedroom and I was at the end of my rope I dropped down to four stone seven pounds and the 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 psychiatrist has said there's no hope there's nothing that we can do for you. And I remember walking into my bedroom and, I, and I, I remember just thinking, well, I know death's not the end. And I just cried out to God for one last time. And I said, God, if you are there, I need you to do something because I don't want to live anymore. And if you don't do anything, then that's, then, then that's fine. But that's it. Game over. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to leave this place Alive, and, and I was a hundred percent set in my heart and in my mind to end my life right there and then. But I want to tell you, Icon like Church tonight, I still don't really understand all of this. But in that moment, where I cried out to God, something much bigger than me came into the room. It knocked me to the floor and I had what I can only say was an out-of-body experience. And I saw Jesus and I knew that I knew that I knew that it was Jesus. And I looked into His eyes and I remember thinking that you see me. You see the depth of me. You see all of the rubbish and all of the junk and all of the filth and all of the lies that I believed about myself and you love me anyway. You love me anyway. And I'll never forget what He said to me. He said, if you will give me your life, I will take you on an adventure that will leave you breathless, leave you wondering how on earth you could live the kind of life that I have called you to live. And I just said, God, I am in, I am in. And it was like waves of liquid love were just hitting against me and washing out all of this rubbish and all of this junk. And I came out of that experience a transformed man. I had no desire to get over my head on drugs. I had no desire to get over my head on alcohol. Very quickly, I began to... All of the lies and all of the stuff that I believed about myself began to unravel. I began to experience what Romans 12 says, the renewing of my mind. It was. I remember going into college and they were like, Joe, what has happened to you? So I told them what had happened to me. I told them exactly what had happened to me. And they were like, dude, you've been brainwashed. And I was like, yes, I have been brainwashed. You should have seen how messed up my brain was before. And from that moment to this, I have had no struggle with anorexia. I've had no struggle with bulimia. The doctor said I'd never be able to marry, never be able to have kids. I want to tell you today that Jesus... That's the name above every other name. He is bigger than anything that you are facing right now. So Icon Church, this is the challenge. Jesus comes up to you and He says, can I use your boat? You know, the Bible says there were two boats on the shore that day. And I believe there's a reason why the Bible is clear about that. It's because if Peter had have said no, and let's face it, Peter could have said no, Jesus would have gone right on up to the next boat. Who's to say whether he'd already been to the other boat? And I want to say to you tonight, you have the amazing privilege to choose to be chosen. God has spread the net out far and wide. Will you choose to let Him use your boat? And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Peter would have been like, really? God, you want to use my boat? Why why, why don't you use their boat? Their their boat is better than mine. My boat stinks. Do you realise we, yeah, it's cursed. I mean, we were out all night and we didn't catch anything. And we do this all the time, don't we? We try to lessen ourselves because we think that we are not worthy. I mean, Peter was so dysfunctional. You don't carve somebody's ear if you've had a normal upbringing. Okay. And yet God took him and those other dudes and he turned the world upside down. I want to say to you tonight. I want to submit to you that God wants to take your life, and He wants to do something so amazing that He will turn the world upside down. They didn't do anything different. They just went out into deep water, out into the place of the of, out of their comfort zone, and in that place out of their comfort zone, where it was no longer in their strength, God showed up and He's like, "Okay, are you done now? Let me show you what I can do." So, Icon Church, I believe that God's saying tonight, "Can I use your boat?" Because there is a catch. But the catch is your obedience. Will you choose to say yes to Him? And if you say yes to Him, I want to tell you tonight, what He promised to me is the same promise He'll promise to you. He will take you on an adventure that will leave you breathless, leave you wondering how on earth you could live the kind of life that He has called you to live. So if you want that kind of life, let's stand up on our feet. And let's begin to call on the presence of the Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank You that You are in this place. Holy Spirit, we ask You to blow like a wind through this place. We say, would You come into our boats? Would You cause us to launch out into deep water, Lord God? Because we believe there is a cat. We believe there is a nation to be won. We believe there is a charge to be kept. There is a kingdom to advance. There is a world to be saved. And we want to be a generation that says, God, use us, use me, use my Oh Lord, and do something amazing in my generation. In Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name, thank You, Lord God and I realise that maybe in this room there's some of you and you have never let Jesus step into your metaphorical boat so I want to pray a prayer right now and I'm going to ask the whole church gathered with me pray with me this prayer in solidarity for anybody who might be praying this for the first time for any of you who want to say Jesus you know what I don't know you in that way but I want to know you in that way I don't get it in my head but I can't deny what my heart is feeling if you want that tonight then it's so simple all you need to to do is invite him all you need to do is say yes you can get in my boat that's all you need to do tonight so we're going to pray a really simple prayer nothing magical about this prayer but you're just giving permission to God so I want you to pray this after me Jesus we invite you right now would you come into our lives you can have my boat you can have my life you can have my future I am sorry for everything that I've done that has hurt you. But I choose from this moment forward to live 100% for you, God. Would you fill me with your Spirit? Would you become my Lord and my Saviour from this day forward and forevermore? Let's give a massive shout of praise for anybody who has just prayed that prayer. And I'm going to ask you to do something really bold on the count of three I just want you to put your hand up you can take it, put it right back down again but if you feel like God's calling you into that place again then on the count of three I just want you to raise your hand one, He loves you so much two, your life will never be the same again three, just raise your hand up and you'll put it right back down again if you're just giving your life into God's hands again That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, as we connect with you, with these words on a screen and these songs in our heart, Holy Spirit, that you would seal in what needs to be sealed in tonight. In Jesus' mighty Name, we thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Icon Church. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.